0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Don't Burst My Bubble with me, your host, Josh Ascroft. In today's episode of the show, we're going to be breaking down Blazers at Celtics, Bucks at Rockets, the Grizzlies' mistakes, and the fact that the Mavs can't close. All of that from yesterday's games, as well as a quick preview of today's games with your daily injury report and the storylines you should be looking out for. So let's kick things off. This is Don't Burst My Bubble. Okay, so let's start things today with your quick daily injury report as we are used to. So this is as of 5.30 p.m. uh, last night, Eastern Standard Time. Injury report came in a little early, so that's great. We have it nice and early this morning to kick things off because we have a full day of games to get on with. So kicking things off today is Toronto at Miami, a game I'm very excited about. It's going to be happening at 1.30 Eastern Standard Time. So, for your injury report there, Bam Adebayo is probable. He has um, right quadru- uh, right quadriceps contusion, uh, but he's probable to play, as is Goran Dragic. Uh, no one of note on the Raptors' side of the ball. Then for Denver at OKC, uh, the number one concern for anyone there is Jamal Murray is still questionable to play with that left hamstring tightness that he's been suffering from. And we have not, uh, we've yet to see him in a game. So hopefully he makes it out onto the floor today, but he is still listed as questionable. We have Indiana at Washington. Uh, Jeremy Lamb is out. Demontis Sabonis is out. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon is questionable with a cervical strain still. Uh, and Victor Oladipo, despite the fact that he played with uh, the Pacers for their last game against the Sixers, he is now listed as doubtful with uh that right knee being listed as the reason why uh, for memphis at new orleans uh there was no injury report submitted as of yet but it's unlikely that there will be anyone um too pressing uh who's going to be on that list i i doubt it it doesn't seem like from either of those teams they have major injury concerns right now presuming zion is still healthy and has not injured himself in any kind of practice but We haven't heard anything about that yet, so assume that he will be playing. For Sixers and Spurs, uh, no one particularly of note to not play there. And then uh, Lakers-Jazz, Davis, LeBron, and Kuzma are all probable. Royce O'Neal for the Jazz, also probable. So pretty healthy day by the looks of things. We should be getting some good basketball in, so look forward to that. More on those games a little bit later. Let's talk about the games that happened yesterday. So kick things off, let's talk about Blazers at Celtics, which was, by all accounts, I I thought it was a really fun game. The Celtics ended up winning 128-124, to let's give you a quick breakdown of that box score before we jump into what happened. So, for the Celtics, a much, much better game for Jason Tatum, with many people attributing that to the fact that he got a haircut and got rid of those silly curls that no one really liked, I was not a fan. Uh, Looks much better with the fresher trim, and clearly it has given him the confidence that he needs to return to the basketball floor in a meaningful way. After going 2 for 18 from the floor in their last game, Jason Tatum went 11 for 22 from the field, 5 of 8 from 3, dropping 34 points with 8 assists, 4 rebounds, 2 steals, and a block. That is more like it, Jason Tatum. Welcome back to the NBA. Jalen Brown, his running mate, also with an incredible performance, putting up 30 points on 10 of 18, shooting from the field, 6 of 8 from 3, with 6 rebounds and 2 steals to the name also. Uh, a good game as well by Gordon Haywood, was really impressed by him out on the floor. He went 6 of 10 from the field, 4 of 5 from 3, and 6 of 6 from the charity stripe, putting up 22 points with 8 rebounds, 3 assists, and a steal to go along with that. Kemba Walker had 14 points in the 22 minutes that he played, and by all accounts looked very good. 5 of 6 from the field, 2 of 2 from 3. A good performance by him in very limited minutes out there on the floor. Also a good performance by Ennis Kanter off the bench. For the Trailblazers, wow, what a game it was for Damian Lillard and Yusuf Nurkic. Damian Lillard... Despite starting the game slow, going absolutely unconscious by the fourth quarter, putting up 30 points on 8 of 20, uh, shooting from the field, he went 5 of 14 from 3, 9 of 9 from the free throw line with 16 assists. Wow, what a performance by Dame. Yusuf Nurkic also putting up 30 points on 12 of 20 from the field, 5 of 5 from the free throw line, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals and a block, great performance there by Nurkic as well, CJ McCollum, a little bit of a slower game, but still with some uh, definitely meaningful and impactful buckets, had 17 points on 7 of 17 from the field, he was 3 of 7 from 3, he also grabbed 8 rebounds, 4 assists, and 2 steals, Carmelo Anthony also put up some decent numbers with 13 points, 3 of 6 from 3, so let's talk about this game and how much fun it was to watch. I thought that this game was basically over by the time we got to halftime. At one point, the Celtics went up to a 24-point lead, and it was just like, wow. They've completely blown the Blazers away. And on, on the podcast yesterday, I was talking about the fact that I thought this was really uh, a winnable game for the Blazers, especially if uh, CJ and Dame had great games like they did against Memphis And uh, when it got to the half, I was like, oh, never mind, I guess I was completely wrong on that take, it looks like the Blazers have kind of given up, but actually, how could I not mention this in our box score breakdown, Gary Trent Jr. was also exceptional for the Blazers, and in my mind was probably the reason uh, that that game got turned around, he had 21 points, uh, he was 7'11 from the three point line, and also defended exceptionally, Gary Trent Jr. is making a real case that he should be making, you know, not necessarily should he be starting for the Blazers, but he should definitely be getting significant minutes in the same way that he did yesterday. He played 34 minutes yesterday, and I thought that all 34 of those (laughs) minutes were actually really great. He defends at such a high level and then also knocks down the three-point line, which is, you know, those are incredible um incredibly valuable traits for an nba player to have in the modern nba so really gary trent jr was what made the difference for me and i think is what let the blazers get back into things he was playing great defense made a couple threes and i think that was the point that dame then said okay you know what we can get back into this game i think that we can win this and then he went just absolutely ballistic uh, with the Blazers even taking the lead at one point. It was, it was pretty entertaining. Uh, some of you might have seen Paul Pierce was one of the virtual fans. Celtics legend Paul Pierce um, was up there on the screens, as well as uh, Deuce, Jason Tatum's son. So that was pretty entertaining to watch, as he was very pleased with the 20-point lead at the half, and then uh, Pierce looked uh, significantly less impressed and was kind of sliding off the screen uh, when the team was sort of continuing to continuing to fall, as it were, as the Blazers were rising, uh, coming back for that lead. Um, main, main takeaways that I had from this game was this is a real heartbreaker for the Blazers. This would have been a huge game for them, especially given the fact that the Grizzlies lost a game yesterday. The Blazers had won their game against the Grizzlies. And the reason why I think this game is so heartbreaking for them is because their stars played so many minutes this game and wasted so much energy for such a close game, such a huge comeback, only to then end up losing. Dame played 44 minutes. CJ played 41 minutes. Nurkic played 32. Melo played 34. This was a big, big minute game for everyone, essentially, on that Trailblazers roster. And... You know, that, that's not the kind of minutes you want to be giving up. You know, we're playing so many games in such quick succession in the bubble right now to use that much energy and then essentially have nothing to show for it because you end up losing the game is just absolutely heartbreaking. You've got to take into account the fact that uh, there, there's been talk that Damian Lillard might still have that foot injury. We haven't really heard anything more on that since that came up. He seems to be moving great on it but if he does have some kind of issue with the bottom of his foot, you can only imagine that playing 44 minutes on that foot is going to seriously affect it. So you've got to hope that Dame bounces back from that okay, Um, but really a rough time for the Blazers after just phenomenal performances by so much of the team um, in the second half in particular. Damian Lillard is so underrated. I think that I'm still not ruling out the Blazers by any means to take that nine seed, but I think unfortunately for them, it's looking, you know, it's, it's going to look increasingly unlikely just because of the fact that the Blazers have one of the hardest schedules now left in the bubble. Um, so we'll see how that continues to go for them. On the Celtic side of things, uh, lots of positives, some negatives from that. You can't be letting a team uh, come back from a lead like that. You've got to have the confidence um to be able to hold on to that lead you've got to be able to keep up with the defensive fundamentals because when you have a team like the Blazers they are so offense heavy you need to be able to lock down and the Celtics have good defenders Tatum Brown they've both showed real defensive capabilities Marcus Smart obviously is a great uh, defensive player for all that team He played 33 minutes yesterday, and he only put up three points. He went 0-4 from the field, but you still want Marcus Smart on your team because of the defensive presence that he is. So he didn't have a great game yesterday shooting the ball, but still an absolutely essential part of that Celtics lineup. Uh, The main takeaway for the Celtics, though, is that Jason Tatum looks confident, and it was definitely something that I was concerned about, as were many other people after that first game. Uh, it seems like that may have been a fluke. You would hope that this one wasn't the fluke and that this one is actually his sort of return to form. Uh, looked great. Him and Jalen Brown performing at that level. Then, let's say you can throw in Kemba Walker, who can play at 30 minutes, hopefully. That's a real championship contending team at that point. Especially, I was actually thrilled to see Gordon Hayward uh, continuing to po- perform at a really high level. It's kind of the Gordon Haywood that we saw in Indiana. We saw at the beginning of this season before that confidence got a little shaky again. So I'm really hoping that Gordon Haywood is able to continue to perform at this level. He looks exceptionally confident and also is just shooting the three ball uh, incredibly well. So I hope that that continues for him. I really love to watch the Celtics play. I think that they're a really fun team. And that was a great game. If you haven't seen the highlights, I highly recommend that you check them out. But a good win for the Celtics and a real heartbreaker for the Blazers. Moving on, Bucks at Rockets in the Sunday primetime slot on ABC. The Rockets winning that game 120-116. to So let's break down that box score and then we'll get into some more details. So on the Rockets' side of the ball... James Harden, just 24 points in this game, went 5 of 14 from the field, just 3 of 12 from 3, 11 of 13 from the charity stripe, as can be expected from him, putting up 7 rebounds and 7 assists. With the real story of the night being James Harden's ability on the defensive end of the floor, with him having 6, I repeat, 6 steals. So a great defensive performance by James Harden. Russell Westbrook put up 31 points, going 10 of 21 from the field was 10 of 12 from the free throw line, so a great line, uh, a great night of the line for Westbrook. Also had six rebounds and eight assists. Um, other than that, just a good all round performance by everyone else on the Rockets who plays. They only run an eight man rotation, so everyone else averaging between uh, five and 16 points. So a good performance overall by the team. And the Bucks, Giannis, another great performance. But not quite able to put it together when it counted right at the end. He had 36 points, went 14 of 25 from the field, uh, 2 of 5 from 3. He had 18 rebounds, 8 assists, and a block. Uh, Chris Middleton, great game from him. 27 points, went 10 of 18 from the field, 3 of 8 from 3. He also had 12 rebounds, 4 assists, and a steal. And the other top scorer for the Bucks last night was Brooke Lopez, who had a fantastic offensive game, going 9 of 18 from the field, 23 points, 5 of 6 from the free throw line with 12 rebounds. So, let's break down this game a little bit. What were, what were my takeaways? So, both these teams are really good. They're really great teams to watch. But what was interesting was that I thought the Bucks were, as has been expected from this small ball lineup that the Rockets run, I thought they were a little bit freaked out by it, and I'm not sure they knew exactly how to handle it. I think that the Rockets are in a position, because they run such a small ball lineup, it kind of forces you to really adapt as a team, and I don't think the Bucks were really playing Bucks basketball for a lot of what was happening, and I thought that that's why they didn't pull away. For, for example, so the, when you have a small ball lineup like this, The Rockets are essentially making a bet that with this, they can put their five best players on the floor for the majority of the time. They then assume that your center is probably one of your best five players. However, that center becomes almost irrelevant on the floor if there's no one really for them to guard. They're too slow to be out on the perimeter uh, to be guarding the three-point volume shooters that the Rockets have. So they're essentially hedging their bets, suggesting like, okay, we're going to force you to take your center or maybe your power forward, um, depending on who's really guarding the rim as much. We're going to force you to take them off the floor because they're not going to be, uh, be, be able to defend us at the perimeter, which then opens up the paint for them, which means that Russell Westbrook can go to town, James Harden can drive to the basket, as he likes to do, and ultimately that puts them at an advantage. The Bucks are obviously a really big team for the most part. When you have Giannis on the floor, Chris Middleton's pretty tall, Brooke Lopez, Robin Lopez, there's a lot of tall guys on that team. I mean, Karl Korver's tall, uh, Ilya Sova's pretty tall. It's a very tall lineup for the most part, and I thought that they were definitely freaked out by the Rockets. The other big takeaway that I actually took away from the game was I thought that, especially at the beginning, Giannis was, was trying too hard. I spoke yesterday on the on the beef that Giannis and James Harden have, with Giannis saying that James Harden doesn't pass, and James Harden saying that Giannis doesn't have any skill. I thought at the beginning of the game Giannis was really playing out of his comfort zone in a weird way to sort of show that he did have skill. Um, he pulled up for a lot of jump shots that he wouldn't usually take, a lot of pull up three point uh, shots, and I know that he's attempting more of those this year, but. He didn't look super comfortable doing it, and it felt really forced when, for Giannis, he has so much speed. There was a lot of fast-break opportunities that I felt like Giannis didn't take. I, I felt like he wasn't sprinting up the floor in the same way he did at times. But there were some opportunities where I thought that he absolutely could have beaten his defender to the rim and instead decided to slow the game down, let his teammates sort of surround him, and then they ended up putting up a a contested shot. But the biggest reason why the Rockets won this game, in in my opinion, was just sheer volume of of three-point shots and they didn't have a bad night. From the three-point line whereas the Bucks did have an exceptionally bad night um, from the line for them the Bucks are actually a really um th- they're a team who really relies on uh, the three-point shot and you might not expect that from a team that of, it looks like with Giannis you would just be packing the paint but actually they get such great three-point opportunities because of Giannis driving through the lane they actually shoot the ball from three really well but last night they went just 9 of 35 from 3 with the rockets scoring 21 threes so the the rockets shot 61 threes last night so they only shot 34.4% from the three point line however the bucks only scored 20 uh, they only shot 25.7% the rockets made just an absurd number of threes they made 12 more threes than the bucks that's obviously going to put you in a pretty great position to win because the Bucks out-rebounded the Rockets. They had a higher field goal percentage overall. Uh, they had significantly more turnovers, however, and they didn't shoot the three nearly as well. They were actually a little sloppy too, with the Rockets having significantly more steals, 15 to just six from the Bucks. Um, but you, you can you can see where, where this game was won and lost in those statistics because the Bucks had sixty points in the paint, with the Rockets having just twenty. But when you shoot thirty more threes than a team and you make twelve more than them, you can see the math there. That is going to end up with you having a really good opportunity to win. And the Bucks, unfortunately, something that they were criticized for last year in the playoffs. Couldn't finish this game. Giannis was unable to. And that brings us on to James Harden's defense. Because James Harden played phenomenal defense last night, and it's actually a trait of his that is significantly underlooked when talking about him as a player. James Harden is a really solid defender, and people like to ignore that and say that he's only an offensive talent. But last night, he actively made the decision to guard Giannis and Giannis actually couldn't handle it. He, he kind of choked, especially in the last play of the game. If you didn't watch the game, here's what happened. The Bucs uh, come driving down the lane. Giannis is going toward the rim. You think that maybe he's going to try and uh, draw a foul. He's going to dunk. He's going to make a layup. But instead, uh, because of the way that the Rockets were defending him, they had a lot of guys out in the paint, Giannis tries to throw the ball out toward um, Karl Korver, And it's then uh, stolen by Daniel House Jr. in midair, who then falls backwards into Kyle Culver, who is then called for a foul on that play. So really, I think that Giannis, if you're going to be the guy, if you're going to be the man on your team who is going to have the ball in these final seconds... You've got to have better decision-making than that, because that was a really poor decision. It didn't look like a good pass at all when it came out of his hands, kind of floating through the air. So if you're the guy, you've got to take it to the rim, Giannis, if, if that's what you're doing. Or you've got to find a better pass than that, because it looked like Giannis went into the paint with every intention of bringing it to the hole realized that he couldn't do it and just threw up a prayer of a pass out the way and it's something that the Rockets are actually pretty well equipped to deal with they have fast guys they have guys who are active on the defensive end of the floor when they want to be while the Rockets rely heavily on the fact that they're going to outperform you on the offensive end of the floor when they want to play defense they actually can do it and they really proved that last night in my mind so Really, really good game overall. Really enjoyed it and a really big win, a statement win for the Rockets and for James Harden. I continue to believe that this is going to be the best offseason that James Harden has ever had. Didn't shoot the ball exceptionally well last night, but, you know, still put up 24 points, shot it well from the line, drawing a lot of fouls, and played exceptional defense. So, hats off to the Rockets on that one. Let's quickly talk about uh, the Grizzlies game and also the Mavs game. Won't dive into them too much. They, uh, I didn't get to watch these games. So I was watching these other ones. But I can, uh, I've watched the highlights. I've watched the last few minutes of them. We can break it down a little bit. So for the Grizzlies, really great game overall. The issue being that they messed up right at the end. Uh, they were up by one point when DeMar DeRozan, because they were playing the Spurs... Uh, who ended up winning the game 108-106. to 106. DeMar DeRozan comes in uh, within the three-point line, as he so often does. He loves that mid-range, does his classic uh, fake pull-up, and Brooks uh, from the Grizzlies absolutely bit on it, which was just an awful, awful mistake because DeMar DeRozan does that uh, pull-up fake all the time and uh, you you can't afford to bite on that. I I don't even know if he had enough time on the clock to get off a shot. Um, if if Brooks hadn't bit on that, jumped into the air, Demar was able to take the contact. He goes to the free throw line, and that's at the end of it for the Grizzlies. With the Spurs, interestingly enough, now moving into the nine seed, a team that I laughed off a few days ago, saying that you know their their playoff run is definitely at an end. But I guess I should have learned by now to never count out Greg Popovich and what he's able to do, and just the Spurs mentality of being a winning culture and a winning franchise. So who knows? Maybe the Spurs can hold on to that nine seed, and maybe we'll see them in a play-in tournament against the Grizz. I would still back the Grizzlies to win in that scenario, but who knows? Maybe the Spurs will make their way into the playoffs and will officially hold at that point the longest streak in the NBA for consecutive playoff appearances. Let's quickly talk about the Mavs. I won't speak too much on it because it's too heartbreaking of, uh, for me to even handle. But the Mavs weren't able uh, to perform at the end of a game once again. At the half point, I didn't even get to watch the game because I was so busy watching uh, the Rockets play the Bucks. I saw, oh, the Mavs are up 73-60 to 60 at the half. Great. No problem. Luka's on his way to another 40-point game. Chris is on his way to another 30-point game. game. What do I have to worry about? The Suns, you know, Devin Booker, DeAndre, and Ricky Rubio. It's not that big of a deal. Mavs can take care of that. Then, to my despair, turning back to the game with about six minutes left after the Bucks and Rockets uh, were done, the Mavs are down, and they kind of just throw away the game at, at the end. I think that... My, my point yesterday that I was making about Luca should shoot less threes, I thought came apparent in this game. He didn't make a three, but he still made it to 40 points in the game, continuing to drive to the rim, doing what's best for him. I imagine Luca probably heard the podcast and heard my advice and took that on board, so uh, you're welcome for that, Luca. Anytime, anytime you want to talk about the game, I'm always available. But really, the Mavs have just got. They're so bad at closing, and in all honesty, I do blame some of it on Rick Carlisle. They're a very young team and they haven't been able to deliver um, despite the fact that they're incredibly talented and they've just been blowing these increasingly large leads. And I think that at that point you do have to put some of that on the coach. I don't always agree with the um, finishing slash closing lineups that Rick Carlisle puts out there. I don't think a lot of the time it is the best option for the team. And I think that far too often the Mavs uh, go for contested three-point shots late in the shot clock when the game is coming down uh, to its close, uh, despite the fact that they really perform best in those clutch situations when they can get Luca the ball and he can drive through the lane, and then he has the option to kick it out if he wants to, but drawing up a crazy off-screen step-back three for Luca clearly hasn't been working, And, and the Mavs They're not in any worrisome position by any means. They've locked in their position for the playoffs now. They officially um, got their playoff spot clinched yesterday when the Grizzlies lost. So the Mavs are in the playoffs. Uh, It's incredibly unlikely. I don't even know if it's possible that anyone can catch them for the 7th seed. But the Mavs definitely had greater aspirations to get out of that 7th seed so they don't have to play the Clippers in the first round. Which is looking uh, more and more likely. So Mavs, get it together. You got to close better. You got to get the ball to Luca. Got to drive through the lane. Go for go for the foul if you can do. Make the layup. Hopefully get an N one. If not, kick it out to the three. Ideally to Tim Hardaway Jr. or uh, to Porzingis. You've got great three point to uh, great three point shooters on the team. I don't think there's any reason for Luca to be running uh, an isolation play beyond the perimeter when he's certainly not the best three-point shooter on the team. Give it to Seth Curry, you know, give it to anyone. Luka's not the best three-point shooter on the team. In fact, he's probably one of the worst, even statistically. So, you know, I know that you got to trust your franchise guy in, in the clutch moments like that, but he's also got to be trusted to make the right decision for the team that's going to win the game. Because it's great when you get the glory of hitting that buzzer beater, but when you don't, and when you consistently don't, and when that keeps happening... It gets a little tiring for for the fans to watch because, you know, there there are better opportunities to win that game. So definitely a disappointment there. Moving on from that, let's give a quick preview of today's games because we've got uh, some exciting ones happening. Raptors at Heat, as I mentioned, at 1.30 should be really exciting. Both of these teams have been looking really great since we've come into the bubble. I'm incredibly excited to see this matchup. Uh, Siakam, Lowry, Freddie Van Fleet against Jimmy Butler, Duncan Robinson, Bam Adebayo, Kendrick Nunn, should be a really exciting game, I'm excited to see how the Heat offense tries to deal with this Raptors defense, which has been looking uh, better and better every time we've seen them throughout the season, and it looks no different coming into the bubble, so that's really exciting to watch, Pacers, Wizards, Oladipo may be out, but you can expect another 50-piece from TJ Warren. Don't you worry about it. Nuggets at Thunder could be interesting to see. Nuggets haven't been performing at the level that you would have expected from them coming into the bubble. Definitely looking a little shaky. Looks like they're still going to be missing Jamal Murray, which, as we know, means that this three-point three, uh, three point guard lineup on the Thunder of Schroeder, uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and Chris Paul will be feasting, I would imagine forcing this Nuggets team to probably go small. Bol Bol will probably have limited minutes as well. But will be interesting, in my mind, to see what Jokic can do against Steven Adams, Steven Adams being one of my favorite centers in the league, uh, Jokic being, in my mind, the undoubtedly most talented center in the league. So that's going to be a, a fun matchup to watch, without a doubt. Grizzlies-Pelicans, an exciting matchup. The Grizzlies need a win here they they have not been performing as the 8 seed or oh, it's not even that they haven't been performing well they just haven't closed well they've actually played really well for the majority of their games just throwing it away throwing it away at the end just take away all of brooks's minutes on the grizzlies is my opinion zion will probably be playing more minutes which will be cool to watch also you would hope anyway and this is the point i think where the pelicans have got to decide are we going for the 9 seed or are we done with the bubble Because it's looking more and more like the Pelicans don't want this. They don't want to be here. They don't want to risk injuring guys. It doesn't look like they want it in the way that the Blazers want it, or even the Spurs want to win. I haven't seen that drive from the Pelicans yet that has been so talked about. With, with, oh, the whole reason we're doing this, you know, playing tournament nine seed, four games back thing is because the NBA wants the Pelicans in the playoffs. So, you know. Either rise to that occasion or don't, as the case may be. The Spurs going up against the Sixers today. I think the Sixers should have a pretty easy time of it um, defeating the Spurs, especially given that the Spurs played yesterday. So today will be that back-to-back for them. 76ers didn't look great, obviously, when they played against the Pacers. Hopefully they will have had some time to work things out. Shake Milton probably well, hopefully feeling a little bit more confident even though Joel Embiid yelled at him and he looked really sad. Hopefully Ben Simmons is going to be, you know, adjusting better to going back to his natural position at that power forward spot. And hopefully Joel Embiid just continues to be the the dominant force that he is at the center position. And then final game of the night, we have Lakers at Jazz. I would imagine that this should be a blowout game for the Lakers. There's no reason why uh, the Jazz... Should be able to do anything. I would hope that the Lakers would want to come out, put out a good performance after that disappointing loss for them against the Raptors. Hoping, uh, yeah, they'll probably be hoping to want to bounce back from that, take the lead nice and early, and then rest Anthony Davis and LeBron as much as possible. There's no reason why they couldn't put that game away in the first three quarters and have them sit for the last. So that does it. That's our preview for today's games, and that's going to do it for today's episode. I will be back here tomorrow to break down all of those games, give you your daily injury report, as well as all the storylines you need to be looking out for in tomorrow's games. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Don't Bust My Bubble. I will see you tomorrow.